United we stand under Jesus Christ and nothing else. I believe we have to stand on that now more than ever. There's many people's opinions in politics and everything, but there is nothing that is wavering, different, false, or untrue about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I want us today to look at changing hazardous thinking. And, um, you know, as usual, the Lord does a good job when I'm studying of stepping on my own toes and me dealing with what he is speaking to me. But I want to ask you a question this morning as we begin and ask you this. Have you ever heard that someone came to know Christ and wondered how did they receive Christ? I know none of us in here would on the front side say we ever do that. We're good Christians and God allows all people to come. But if we're honest and we look down inside, you know, I've seen some people in Shreveport that have come to know Jesus Christ that I wondered how in the world did that happen? I'll be the first one to be honest with you. You know, we look at people, um, criminals, maybe thieves, Uh, What about murderers, people all covered in tattoos, prostitutes? Is it really possible? Do Republicans and Democrats both alike come to know Christ? You know, Peter was the leader of the Jewish Uh, men at that time, the the apostles. Peter was one of the outstanding ones leading, and even in his own way at times, he would think uh, probably too because he was a, a good Jewish boy, and he was brought up right, and there were people that the Lord had begun speaking to, the Samaritans, but there was a another group of people. They were known in the Gentiles. They were unclean. They were dirty. They were unkosher. You know, Peter, he he wouldn't have anything to do with that. But I want us to look at what happens today. But something I need to point out to you that's important as we look at this throughout the message today, and I want you to focus all the way through as this one uh, gentleman named John Phillips put it this way. A threefold testimony was crucial in Israel to establishing the truth of a matter. Let's take a look there on the screens. And in Deuteronomy 17, 6, we see right here that it was told that on the evidence of two or three witnesses, he is to die, shall be put to death. He shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. It was given to them a rule of two to three witnesses for something to be truth. We see over in the New Testament, take people with you. If you're going to go after or if there's an elder or someone that has sinned and you need to approach them to take some witnesses, and it usually uses that two or three to establishing that, the rule of three we're going to call it today. And I want you to notice that you will see that all throughout what we're going to talk about today. And I believe in the end I will show you that the rule of three is also here, for a lack of terms, maybe in a, a hidden way, that believes and makes this passage even stronger. As I've been doing several times, I want you again to look at the screen. I want you to understand what are we looking at today. Let, let me read this to you there on the screen. It says, 
that our self-righteous thinking is hazardous to the work of God. We need to allow God to change our thinking from what we think we know to the truth. What God calls holy, let us not think otherwise. God wants all people. Should have put that all in caps when I did that. All people to come to know him. He wants all people to be saved. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting the whole world. Every person in the world. Take your Bibles this morning as we look at changing hazardous thinking and open to the book of Acts chapter 11 and verse 1. Once you've turned there, if you would please stand as we read God's word. Uh, If you don't have your Bibles, follow along on the screens. It will be up there for you. But Acts chapter 11, I'll be beginning in verse 1. It says, now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And when Peter came to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them an orderly sequence saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying And in a trance, I saw a vision, an object coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. And when I fixed my gaze on it and was observing it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beast and the crawling creatures and the birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice voice from heaven answered a second time, what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. This happened three times and everything was drawn back up into the sky And behold, at that moment, three men appeared at the house in which we were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. The Spirit told me, go with the men, with them, without misgiving. These six brethren also went with me, and we entered the man's house. And he reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, send to Joppa. Have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here, and he will speak word to you by which you will be saved and all your household. And as they began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well, then God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Father God, thank you for your word. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts. Father, you would open our eyes and our minds to hear from Holy Spirit. That, Father, you would reveal your word to us this morning. And, Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, 
most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. The first thing I want us to look at is the whining. Have you ever been around a group of people that when something miraculous and exciting happens, there's always one or two in the group that's got their own two cents worth that they want to put in there? Maybe there's a revival that breaks out in a church and you've got some that are complaining. Let me tell you just some of the stories I have heard in the past of some complaining when the, or whining when the Lord's work was being done. There was a new pastor that went to a church and he was preaching the word of God and revival broke out and people were being saved and every Sunday they were baptizing. And you know there was some people in the church who had a problem and they went to the pastor and this was their words. You're going to have to settle it down. We can't keep filling the babstery up. How about kids come back from camp? Oh, you know, they were just at camp. That ain't nothing. You know, we don't want all those kids around here yelling and hollering. We don't want those kids doing this or that. Or You know, when the Lord begins to move... Satan wants to come in, and it usually happens by whining. And the first thing that I, I, we see here in this whining of this is what I call the, the gossip. It says there at uh, verse 1 and 2, it says, Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him. Before Peter ever got back before he could approach the town gossip had already started oh peter the good jewish boy he done gone over there with them they are gentiles and he's fellowshipping with them and he's talking with them you know what he even shared the word of god with them and something happened how can that be I mean, can you just hear it now? Put yourself in the town. I mean, the town was in an uproar. It says there that they took issue with him. But it wasn't just anybody. It was the circumcised, the, the old self-righteous. You know, the Jews were given the command at one time to, to be circumcised, but now they look at it as a, a badge of honor. You know, I'm better than the rest of everyone else. I've, I've done this. How dare Peter go over to the Gentiles? You know, they haven't done the circumcision. They're not worthy. They're clean. They're undirty. And he wants to go over and share with them the message, telling a story. They were gossiping. I mean, here the word has already gotten back to them that the Gentiles had heard the gospel and that they had received the gospel. And instead of praising and glorifying, they wanted to tell a purpose that had no glory in God at all. It's the gossip. That's what it is. You know, we like to tell stories, don't we? You know, we hear of something from someone else. Let us run and tell the story. Let's go tell a story that's not ours. Let us begin to let our mind go in the wrong direction and have some hazardous thinking and we're telling the story but not the whole story or what the glory of God is in the story. When God moves and people saved, there is glory to God. But with hazardous thinking, that doesn't allow it. But they also there, verse 3 says, saying, you went to earn circumcised men and ate with them. 
here they have a problem that Peter, circumcised Jew, goes to the uncircumcised, the unclean, the unholy. He fellowships with them. He sits down at a table and he eats with them. But one thing we've got to understand with this is Cornelius, the one that had called him. We talked about that uh, back at the first of the year when we looked at passage just before this. He was a, a God-fearer, as they call him. He believed that. He knew who Peter was. Do we know what Peter ate when he went in fellowship? No. It's believed most likely he probably had fruits and vegetables because Cornelius would have wanted to be uh, accommodating to him. But regardless, you know, no one cares about that. It's just what they think. It's what the appearance of who he went with. See, the circumcised had a problem with Peter. Do we ever have a problem, church, associating with people that are different from us? You know, I can't go have lunch with them. What's everybody going to think? You know, I, I can't go and I can't have lunch with someone who has political differences from me. I might be associated in that camp. You know, I, I can't go and I can't sit down and have a meal with someone who's committed a crime. Someone might think that I'm friends with them. I can't sit down and have a meal and share the gospel with a prostitute. Someone might think I'm up to no good. Hazardous thinking, church can cripple the work of God very quickly when we look at that, when we don't want to associate with other people. Going down the road, you stop at a red light. You've seen it. Looks like he hadn't had a bath in a month. It's holding up a sign. I need some food. I can't associate with him. He might stink. You know, would it hurt us one time to maybe pull off and just visit with him a minute? We're going to get more on that in just a moment. But they were whining. This hazardous thinking of criticizing what was happening. But there's more to hazardous thinking and changing that. We also need to look at the witnesses. Remember I told you about the rule of three? We began the three things. Let's take a look as we see here that Peter, Peter had a vision. Peter was a witness. They've called Peter there. They're complaining. They have taken issue. They've taken a, a charge against Peter, and they want to basically condemn him for what he's done and going and mixing in with these uncircumcised, unclean people. But Peter had a vision. Look there at verse for it says, but when Peter began speaking and proceeding to explain to them in an orderly sequence, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision and an object coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. Now, here's Peter up. The meal was being prepared downstairs. Peter's up on the roof spending some time uh, with the Lord, and all of a sudden in his vision, a sheet comes down out of the sky. Maybe your Bible, the King James, uses the word heaven. It comes down from heaven, 
and it sets before Peter, and in this sheet were all of the animals. It says all four-legged creatures, all the, the crawling creatures, the ones they had been told to eat and not eat, and Peter's sitting there looking, and he has a vision from heaven that tells him to eat. But you know, Peter, he has hazardous thinking. He thinks, you know, I can't eat this. It's unclean. Now, Peter, just think just a minute. You're here and this sheet has just come down out of heaven and the voice out of heaven has told you to eat and Peter has to question it. Sounds a little bit like me sometimes. Oh, I can't do that, God. No, no, call somebody else. And the sheet is there and he hears three times to eat and the sheet is taken back up to heaven. Let's pause there. How many times did it happen? Three times. God's being very clear through the three-chord witness to Peter that this is not just your stomach grumbling and you're hungry because it's lunchtime and you smell the lovely food being prepared downstairs. But no, three times God tells him to eat. And then what does that word say there in verse 9? But a voice from heaven answered a second time, what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. You know, God's working ahead of time. Have y'all ever had God work ahead of time in your life? Amen. God is speaking to Peter right now with the analogy and with this sheet of animals saying that if I say it's clean, it's clean. Three times he told them that and he was preparing because he wasn't just talking about food here to Peter. He was getting ready to send him to the Gentiles that they considered unclean. They were unrighteous. They were uncircumcised They were not part of the fold. No one wanted to communicate, much less deliver the message of God to them. But three times so that he would understand that this is from God. Here is a witness. Get ready, Peter. Because what does it tell us there about the, we talked about the law of the witness. But look at verse 11. I'm going to read you 10, and then we're going to go to 11. It says, what God's cleansed no longer consider. This happened three times, and everything was drawn back up into the sky. And behold, at that moment. You see that up there? At that moment, what happened? Three men appeared. I don't believe that's coincidence. Three men appeared at the house which they were staying having been sent from Caesarea three times, and then three men were led. But then Peter gets a message through this vision, and I love this one here. This one, the the Spirit's leading now, and it says there at verse 12, the Spirit told me to go with them without misgiving, The six brethren also went with me and entered the man's house. Let's leave that up there for just a minute. The Spirit told me to go with them without misgiving. King James puts it, no doubting. But let me tell you, because both of those are close, 
but I believe we need to understand what the word was intending to mean. What that word would have meant was to conclude that there is a difference without distinguishing to whom he should give. So now let's look at this. The Spirit told me to go with these men and not distinguish if I should give them the message or not. I should not go with them and see that there is a difference between them and us. What does the Bible tell us? That once we become a believer, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, no Greek, no slave, no free. We're all one in God. So Holy Spirit is telling him to go. And then look there, Peter took with him how many people? Six. Let's do a little math. What's half a six? Three. Peter took as a witness that he's fixing to go to these Gentiles double the number required. And I believe that comes in, in, into play here because if you notice, he says, these six brethren. The brethren had already come back. Maybe there's the ones that come back sharing the news. You know, very possibly these six men of the return, and they were excited because they saw what God had done. God had just saved and cleansed the unclean people. But the message spread, and the others took it, and all they could see is that Peter met and had fellowship with unclean people. But double the number he took with them so that they could testify to what they had seen. Not only did Peter have a vision, but, you know, Cornelius, he also received a vision. Now, we're looking here as Peter is testifying because he's basically on trial. They've took issue with him. They brought a charge against him, and he's testifying. He's got these witnesses. Even these men were there. But all through this, he doesn't use Cornelius' name. We know it's Cornelius because in the chapter just preceding, we were told it was Cornelius. But I believe here and others do that Cornelius wasn't mentioned because Cornelius was a Roman cohort. He was a leader in the Roman guard. But, you know, none of this has anything to do with Cornelius. It has to do with the Lord. It has to do with the Holy Spirit working. But let's take a look here as we see that Cornelius received that vision in verse 13. And it says, and he reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, send to Joppa and have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here. And he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and your household. Cornelius was also being worked on. Cornelius was being prepared. A vision from an angel has come to him and said, you need to send to Joppa. Isn't that amazing? God's telling Cornelius over here what he needs to do to be saved. On this side, over in Joppa, we have a man that has the message who is receiving word from the Lord, prepare yourself, basically. Things are fixing to change. And the two come together and God's work happens. But he was told to send for Peter and the angel telling Cornelius that Peter would speak the gospel to them that they might be saved. Now, let's just pause here just a minute because old Peter, you know, he just had some stinking thinking, we might call it, some dangerous thinking about what foods to eat. Can you imagine what his thought would be when this voice told him to go with these men that were coming and he's finding out where he's going? 
He could have had hazardous thinking himself. And he could have said, oh, no, not me. You know, I'm an apostle. God chose me and he called me to do his work, but that's not his work. Those are unclean people. But no, his thinking was changed because God changed his thinking. And in that vision, Cornelius sent and Peter went. But I want us to look here also that the Holy Spirit give a vision through baptism. Look there at at verse 15. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. We're going to leave that one up there because I want us to look at it here. Who did the work here? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit fell upon him. When did Holy Spirit do the work? As I began to speak. Did Peter get up there like a good preacher and a good orator? And he began to give them the gospel in such a great way. And when he was finished, he made his three points. And then he said, now it's time for the invitation. No. And as I began to speak, this was Holy Spirit's working. It had not a thing to do with Peter other than Peter was willing to go and to share. As he began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, the Gentiles, just as he did upon us. Wrong thing to say, Peter. Can you imagine these men that have now brought charge against Peter and he's saying, hey, what happened to you clean people happened to them unclean people? I'm sure they got a little testy right there. But it says, just as it did at the beginning, it was not his work. It was the work of Holy Spirit. And when I see this, where just as it did at the beginning, do you know what he's talking about there? Let's flip over. Let's turn the screens there. Y'all just watch over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, let me read to you these verses. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Now remember, Jesus has ascended to heaven after the resurrection. He's told them to go into Jerusalem and to wait there. The 50 days has now passed. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues of fire distributing themselves as they rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterances I can imagine that's very similar to what happened right here because he told them just as it happened in the beginning to them. The Holy Spirit baptized the Gentiles as evidence that he had cleansed them. And we see there that it was the Holy Spirit working. And thirdly, the, how about the winning you know, there was some winning that happened in this passage. 
There at verse 16, God was doing the work and not Peter. It says, and I remember the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Gentiles, the unclean, or what we might would say today, the unkosher people, and now they have been declared clean by a holy and a righteous God, evidenced through the winning of them and the Holy Spirit baptizing them through their, what does it say there? Through their faith in Jesus Christ. Let's look there at verse 17. It says, therefore, if God gave them the same gift as he gave to us, also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in the way? There it was. God baptized them when? After believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter's basically standing on a trial. He says, all I did was begin to speak. And the Holy Spirit fell on the room. Proof, just like he did for you and me. He says, who am I to stand in the way and say that it didn't happen? Who am I to, to not baptize them or to, to not fellowship with them? Peter made that statement. I believe it's so good. Who am I that I could stand in God's way? You know, we also see that the apostles and the brethren stopped their whining. Look there at verse 18. It says, when they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, well then... God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. That word there, quieted down, or they rested, depending upon what version that you're reading there, best word to probably fit in right there is they rested. Not mean they laid down and they went to sleep. They rested their case. You know, a defense comes up and they present their case and then the witnesses come up and you have the court case going back and forth. Well, they've charged Peter here with their case against him, with their hazardous thinking that he'd then gone over and shared the gospel with them. Well, then he gave them reason why he did it. He gave them an account of what happened. And when they had seen the evidence, they rested their case. There was no more case. And they didn't just stop. They didn't just quiet down, but they rested their case and glorified God. Now, this rule of three comes all through this. Let me share some of the obvious ones with you. We had the rule of three. The sheep come down three times. Scripture told us that. The three men came. Peter took the three. But did you hear the three when I was talking about the witnessing? Peter gave witness to what God spoke to Peter. Cornelius gave witness to what the angel told him to do. You know what the greatest of it was? The third one? The Holy Spirit gave witness through baptizing them. Church, when this happened, it opened the gospel for everyone. Praise the Lord, it opened the gospel for us. 
If it wasn't for God choosing to allow us as well to be cleansed because God originally chose his people. We now call them the Jewish people. But God had more in store. He wanted all people. And here the church is expanding to everywhere. We see not only that the Gentiles were brought in to the family of God, but also that the apostles and the brethren changed their mind. You know, Peter had his hazardous thinking changed. The apostles and the brethren had their hazardous thinking changed. Peter's changed because he went and gave the message. The apostles and the brethren that were there, theirs was changed when they rested their case and began to glorify God. I believe from this passage that we can see that anyone, church, anyone regardless of their color, their political party, their lifestyle, or anything else that you can think of other than their unbelief can keep them from God. There's no one that God doesn't want saved. The only thing that stops anyone from being saved isn't anything about them other than unbelief. We can learn from this passage that we must, church, we must associate with unbelievers, with unclean, as we might would call them. But I want to tell you that we see here it's a good idea to take someone with you when you go and share. There's nothing wrong with me sitting down and sharing a cup of coffee other than I don't drink it. Let's go for some tea. Some good old southern tea with a prostitute. But it's probably best that I have someone else there with me. There's nothing wrong to stop on the side of the road and go and share with someone holding up a sign. But it's probably a good idea that I have someone with me. I love one thing. All y'all know Ben Freeman. He loves to tell the story of how uh, it came about. But a lot of times when he's going down and he sees someone on the side of the road holding up a sign that needs money or needs food, he'll pull over and he carries in his car some hostess cupcakes. And he says he'll get out and he'll ask them, how long has it been since you've had a hostess cupcake? Most of them a long time, and he'll give it to them. And you know what he just did? He opened the door to share the gospel. Doesn't matter what they look like, who they are, what we think about them, because frankly, what we think doesn't matter. The creator of you is the creator of them. We need to change the hazardous thinking. I want us to look at two verses in closing that we've already looked at, but I want to recap these. Let's look at verse 18. Excuse, excuse me, verse 9. But a voice from heaven answered a second time, what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. That's for us today too. And secondly, let's look at the next verse, 17. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is I that I could stand in God's way? Challenge you this morning. What God's called clean, we're not to consider unclean. God wants the message delivered to everyone these days. 
And after their salvation, Christ, who was I that I could stand in the way? I hope it's never said about me. And I hope it's never said about you that you stood in the way of someone hearing the gospel because you had some stinking thinking, some hazardous thinking. We can all puff our chest out and say it's not me, but it is. At some time, some point, we've all had a thought that I I don't want to talk to them. You know, God prepares you. God prepares them. You might be the chance of them hearing the gospel. Well, you say to me, it's not my gift. I don't share the gospel. Well, I'm sorry God gave you the command that we're to go and we're to be witnesses. We're to make disciples, believers of Jesus Christ. It's not a gift. It's all of us. It's not the preacher's job just the preacher's job. It's not just anyone's job. It's not just the job of the evangelist. Every born-again believer has the requirement and the command to share the gospel. Sinning is not always doing wrong acts. Sometimes it's neglecting to do what we know we need to do. So I encourage you, if you have some hazardous thinking or some stinking thinking, let God change it this morning. Would you, would you bow your heads with me?